Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. You'll be aware of the stage uh, presentation production called Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I feel like I want to break out into a song again, okay? But I won't. I'll leave it, I'll leave it to it. I was actually in Joseph uh, in my St. John's Middle School in Mansfield and I was one of the uh, brothers. I can't remember which one I was. But I remember I was one of the brothers. Anyway, and it says there in Genesis 37, Joseph went after his brothers and he found them near Dothan. And verse 18, but when they saw him in the distance, when they saw him in the distance and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Let me just say that again. They plotted to kill him. Verse 19, They said to each other, here comes that dreamer. Here comes that dreamer. They said, here comes that dreamer. And whilst they were saying it, they were plotting to kill him. Very interesting that. Because this is a story of a young man who received a dream from God. I don't think he handled himself particularly well, but that's not my thought to drive into that today. Because, of course, sometimes God downloads something to you and then he asks you to be quiet and say nothing. I actually feel I'm carrying some dreams in my heart and I've not even uttered it to anybody probably other than Caroline. I couldn't say it to you. Because it's wise for me to just keep it back and just hold some things in your heart for sure. And it's also very important for us to understand that we must handle the dream very, very carefully. So we're talking about a God-inspired dream that Joseph had, but the brothers said to one another, let's kill this dream. Now the dream that I'm talking about today, for clarity, I want you to really understand this. I don't want anybody switching off from me this for the next 30 minutes. This is a very, very important message. If you really are wanting to lean in and live your best life in God, even if you're not a Christ follower, then I want you to lean in in this moment. Because what I'm talking about, when I talk about dreaming big and drawing circles and dreaming big, I'm talking about a God-ordained dream. Let me qualify that. A dream that is admirable, that is worthy, that is integrous, that is selfless, that kind of dream. This is opposed to a dream that is indulgent, selfish, and ego-fueled. Let me give you an example of that. I have a dream that I'm going to win the lottery. Let me tell you that it's fueled by indulgent dreaming. Sorry if you play the national lottery, that's your business But I've heard so many Christians say, if I win the lottery, I will do X, Y, Z. Well, let's see, because I've heard a lot of people and read a lot of stories of lottery winners around the world who have said they're going to do amazing things. And then years later, their marriage is in tatters. They've lost all their money. Their health is wrecked. Hello? Somebody reminded me on the call this this week, another pastor, he said, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money itself, the love of money. So I'm not talking about a selfish dream, an indulgent dream. I'm talking about something that God has downloaded and God wants to download in every one of our hearts. And what was interesting is 
Joseph had a dream that was worthy, that was admirable, that was God-ordained. But his brothers, or others, saw saw it and saw him and wanted to kill it. Wanted to kill it. Let me just, before we drive into it, just say this to you, because you might be there and you have had a God-ordained dream, but unfortunately it's not now living in your heart. I want to say that's usually as a result of people who have made you feel small. The brothers of Joseph wanted to tear the dream away from him. They wanted to make him small. They ridiculed him. They wanted to thieve the dream. They wanted to quash the dream. They wanted to kill the dream. And there's many, many Christian leaders and many Christian pastors and many churches around the country and there's many people who have walked into who've had something downloaded from God but over time it's been eroded and it's no longer a dream it's just a distant memory and if I can say if it's of God if it's God ordained like I said it's not because you want to be on this platform that is no reason to say I've got a dream from God because I will say this again those who desire to have this platform be careful what you pray for and what you wish for Because I've never known such opposition, spiritual opposition, as a result of being in my position that I've been in. You have no idea. Some of the challenges, you may say, you live in a bubble. I don't live in a bubble. I live in a very real world with a very real enemy who would like to take me down and take us down. It's very real. I'm talking about a dream that you're wishing for, that, that, that you're hoping for, that God has downloaded into your heart. And that's what I want to talk about because it's very easy for us to get ripped off. Are you still with me? Are you still following me? It's easy for it to get ripped off. And if that's you, I want you to lean in. If you've never had a a dream from God, I want you to lean in. If you're living with a dream from God, I want you to lean in. Because it's very important that we dream big and draw a big circle. Now you may say, well, how do I do that? How do I dream big and how do I draw circles, guys? Well, I'm just going to give you three practical things really quickly. You're going to have to keep up with those who are taking notes because these have helped me. These have helped me. I love, thank you, David, for that lovely introduction. Uh, uh, I used the word visionary. People would would, uh, have on occasions described me as being very visionary. And I think there's a bias towards seeing things. But let me tell you, vision comes as a, and dreams come to me out of result, result of these three things that I'm about to share. So if you are not carrying a dream from God and you are a Christ follower, I want you to lean in. Because the first thing I want to say is this. If you'll fill your heart with God's word, then you'll begin to get a dream. If you will fill your heart with God's word, I was reading, going through some words that God had spoken to Caroline and I over the last 25 years. One of of them, I keep a lot of notes that people have said to me and things that have done. And I had a leadership analysis done on myself by another leader who knew me well. And this is what he said. He said, and this was written probably 15 years ago. He wrote, Christian, if you would learn to just walk through the process And if you would learn to not live life at 100 mile an hour, and you would learn to be still and know that God is God, then God is going to do something quite significant in in your life. Why I'm saying that is, my temptation is run life at 100 miles an hour. 
I'm not proud of this. I've just had to go through two speed awareness courses in the last month. I'm not proud of it. People get hurt, killed, injured. I've realized that I was through another one. I mean, it's just like numb. My four hours in a classroom. But I learned some things. But again, I'm learning some things about myself because I tend to rush through life. And I tend to rush through the word. But if we will allow God's word as we open the pages and just read a verse, say, God, what are you wanting to say to me? He will begin to speak to you and he will begin to inspire you. He will begin to download a dream from heaven that he has for your life. That's how it happens. Secondly, because let me just, before I move on there, how do I know that? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And he says the Bible is alive, it's, it's active, it's, it's relevant. And he says the promise of God is that it will not return void. So we have to fill our heart with, God, with God's word. And I've given you the tools to that. You have to find a quiet place where you just read God's word or listen to God's word and say, God, what are you wanting to say? Secondly, how do I find a vision, a, a dream for my life? I find a quiet place in the posture of prayer. I did it again this morning. I stopped, I dropped, I prayed. God, what do you want to say? Even this message, what do you want it to help me just download? May I be hidden? May I not be seen? May your words be seen. May your words become alive in people's hearts today. I find the place, the quiet place, the posture of prayer. And it's in those places that God begins to speak to me. And invariably, I have a notepad and pen at the side of me because he begins to say some things. And then when I write things down, I think, well, if, is that me or is that God? And if it's clever, it's God because there's nothing clever that comes from me. And there's been many, many times that God has literally downloaded some things that I've written. I've thought, wow, that's amazing. And then he reminds me, yes, because it's me. Some of you got that. Thirdly, how I find a dream big. I've got the language of the Spirit. I don't say that in any arrogance. We believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And you might want to talk to me or one of the leaders, you know, which gives utterance to speaking in, a, in, a, in another language. It could be the language of heaven. Sometimes it's languages of this earth. But we've never learned them. And as I begin to fill my heart, with God in prayer, as I allow his word to speak to me, and as I be, allow my heart to just be set free in the language of the spirit, God begins to fill me. I get infused. I get marked by faith. I don't know why it's a supernatural thing that begins to happen. Something begins to happen in my heart. You know, some people have tried to use tongues to try and impress people. It doesn't impress people. And I absolutely agree and concur with the scriptures and with Phil Pye when it says tongues were predominantly given for private, not for public. So I'm believing in, that in my, in my private life, there's something of the language of the Spirit. And the dream begins to stir within me. Because I want to say it's dreamers like Joseph. It's dreamers like King David. It's dreamers like Jesus. It's dreamers like the Apostle Paul. It's dreamers like John Wesley. It's dreamers like General William Booth. It's dreamers who begin to take the kingdom of God by force here on earth. And what is the point of dreaming small, guys? If you're going to dream small, what is the point? If you're going to dream, you may as well dream big. 
I've seen so many people and come across you and some of you are here, you're dreaming small. God's wanting you to dream big. But the problem with dreaming big is it leads us into a place called impossible. It leads us into a place called impossible as we dream big. But this is exactly where God is. You see, I've said this months ago. God resides in the place called impossible. He doesn't reside in the place called possible. He only resides in the place called impossible. There is a pattern. Some of you are looking quizzical at me at this moment. I'll prove it to you. There is a pattern that I see repeated through Scripture. Sometimes God doesn't intervene until something is humanly impossible. Why would God intervene with something that is humanly possible? If it's humanly possible, you sort it out. Why do we need God in the human? You know, we say to people, oh, I need, you know, we hear, we hear of a need. And then we say, well, we're going to take the, to, to prayer. And Lord, so somebody needs 100 pounds. By the way, you hear of a need, somebody needs 100 pounds. And you've got to spare 100 pounds. Why do we need to ask God for that person who needs 100 pounds? I'm just saying. It's humanly possible for us to meet that need, so just go and meet the need. Now, somebody might say, I need a million pounds, and we say, God, I haven't got a million pounds. I'm now in faith to believe for a million pounds. By the way, when we walked in our 2020 giving offering, we had zero budget, and we said, God, we want to see 100,000 each year come in. There was nobody who I knew who had a spare 100,000 so we put it out there and God was very good to us 107,000 in the first year 70 odd thousand in the second year I want to say God resides in the place called impossible because if it's possible why are we asking and by the way why would we ask you for those things that are possible every time we come to this stage and say guys would you help us it's because it's beyond us we don't have the means to sort it and we say to God God We're going to continue to dream big and believe you for the impossibilities. Because it's only at the place of impossible that we receive his power, his strength, and his might. And it becomes supernatural. Let me give you a verse, Ephesians 3 verse 20. It's a verse that you'll see, thank you Caroline. It's a verse you'll see many, many times in Arena Church. Are you still with me? Just tap the neighbor next to you and just wake them up. You don't even say anything, just nudge them. Just wake them up. Now we'll give me your attention. He's still with me. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says this. Now to him, who was able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I love this verse. I committed it to memory as an 18, 19 year old. And I still live with it. It's been a driving verse. It's been a little bit of a life verse, which I haven't got time to unwrap. Because I want to tell you, I look at myself and think, God, how could you use me to even do the things that we've done? And you may say, well, they don't seem impossible. They are to a lad like me. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within me, within you. Let me give it from another verse. The Passion Translation says this, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream. Not winning the lottery, not becoming a premiership footballer, although God might have put that in your heart, and that might be what God's given you the ability to do. But you understand what I mean. That thing which God has spoken, 
He's able to do even the most unbelievable dream. And I love this. And exceed your wildest imagination. I have, I'll tell you, the world of imagination. I'm telling you, I am all over the place. I, 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 Caroline knows, just trying to rein me in. That works positively and negatively. My imagination can go everywhere. But he's able to work in a redeemed sense, even exceed your wildest imagination. And he will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Do you get the feeling here that God is wanting to help us to understand here, Arena Church on this day, that he's wanting to do immeasurably more in your life. He's wanting to do immeasurably more through your family. He's wanting to do immeasurably more through, through this church. This immeasurably more, I love it, because there's a man by the name of uh, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who's a, a guy of another generation. He's world-renowned Bible teacher and theologian. And this is what he comments on this Ephesians 3 verse 20. He says, Paul the apostle has constricted here in the Greek an expression, this immeasurably more, which is altogether his own. So they couldn't even give an understanding of it. No language was powerful enough for the apostle. And this is what it translates immeasurably more. Get the language. For those who are really smart and clever here, just understand this. He is able to do exceeding abundantly, so abundantly that it exceeds measure and description. That was exactly my comment. Wow. I'll say that again. He is able, we're talking about God. God is able to exceeding, is able to do exceeding abundantly, so abundantly that it exceeds measure and description. <laughs> Therefore, God, somebody else wrote about those verses. Therefore, He, God, is able to do all things and able to do super abundantly above the greatest abundance. Are you getting this? I'm loving this. I've got to repeat that again. Therefore, he, God, is able to do all things and able to do super abundantly above the greatest abundance. So don't read that like, oh, he's able to do measure anymore. <laughs> Tap the neighbor again. Just wake them when they need waking up. Just say he's able to do immeasurably more. Don't just say he's able to do immeasurably more. He's able to do immeasurably more, super abundantly, exceed the abundance. He is. God is wanting to do so much more. The obstacle is us. For those who have the book, draw the circle. There's some statements that I want to make. And I've lived with these statements for eight or nine years when I first read the book. But they've become alive again in this year. I thank God for this year. It's been a tough year in many ways, but it's been a great year. And God has reminded me of some things. And in the book, it says there, Mark Batson, the writer of it, he says this, if we aren't willing to risk our reputation, we'll never establish God's reputation. That's why we won't step into the immeasurably more. Because we think, what if? What, and we looked after him, we looked stupid, he'll fail. If you are not willing to risk your reputation, we'll never establish God's reputation. And then he also states that the greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go, un, is, is the prayers that go unanswered simply because they go unasked. 
I was watching one of these Hallmark episodes. You don't get sex and, and violence and bad language in them. And was watching it this week. I was, I was, with, I was with the kids and Caroline in the den. I said, I'm having that. There was a quote. Aaron and I said, yeah, I'm being a preach this Sunday. She didn't even realize it is in the preach this Sunday. Because <laughs> the statement was this. It's a lot easier to live with mistakes than regrets. I want to tell you, I have made many mistakes in my life. I have stepped into things and they haven't worked. We have lost money. I've lost friendships. I've lost lots of things around those things. They were mistakes. I didn't intentionally do it. They were mistakes. But by God, I don't live with regret. Can I just say to us, Arena Church, please, please, in God's name, do not live with regret. And as a church, we're going, to buy, we're going to walk into all that God has for us. We don't know whether these things are going to work. We don't know how it's going to play out. We're carrying a dream in our hearts, but what we're not going to live is with regret. And we're going to keep asking God for those prayers. And we're going to keep risking our reputation for his reputation. Can I hear a yes? So I want you to pause just for a second. We haven't got 30 seconds what is the biggest thing you could ask God for in this moment? What is the biggest thing you could ask God for? Is it cancer? Is that the diagnosis? I want to tell you, God is able to do super abundantly and he's not just able to touch you in your cancer. He's able to heal every person with cancer. Your biggest dream may be God, that lost one. We've already heard it, prodigals to return and and people to return, that son who's far away from, from you. I want to tell you, God is not just able to bring that son back to church. He's able to bring every son back to church in Jesus' name. He's able to do super abundantly, more than we could ask or think. A wildest imagination. See, God is great not just because nothing is too great for him, but also because nothing is too small for him. Lord, in this moment, I pray that you would just establish a prayer in every one of our hearts in this season, a 40-day prayer challenge where we believe you, where we believe you and we put our reputation on the line to believe you for those impossible things. And Lord, as we believe you for the impossible things, we're believing that you're going to do super abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. I thought this was a Mikhail Gorbachev, for those who are old enough, quote, but it isn't. It's a Theodore Roosevelt. And when I was writing this message, I was very impacted by it again. And this is what it quotes. Do something now. If not you, who? If not here, where? If not now, when? And the reality is most of us don't enter into the spirit of that quotation because we see something and we say it's impossible and we walk away from it. But I want to tell you, if you want to meet with God and you want to collide with God, it's in a place called impossible, you will meet him. And to truly dream big, 
means we enter a world where we see, think, and feel how God sees, thinks, and feels. You need to understand that it's not impossible to him. But he, he sees it, he thinks it, he feels it. <laughs> and he's, he's saying, look, I've got this that I want to I wanna just impart to you, I want to download to you, I want to do this. But he's looking for a people who will just begin to walk in this. And as we walk into this realm, it becomes supernatural. That's where we get it from. It's not the natural. It becomes supernatural. It becomes extraordinary. So as we dream big, there's three things that I want us to understand, three takeaways. We'll race through these. And I know I've raced in, in, in part across this message, but I just pray that the words that have been spoken will just touch hearts today. Three takeaways. First of all, you must understand as you dream big and as you walk in the impossible. Number one, everybody say number one. God always uses the weak things to display his power. The place of extraordinary power is not just reserved for the brave, for the super talented and privileged few. Aren't you glad about that? Looking around the room, I'm really glad about that. And looking at the stage, aren't you glad about that? It's not reserved for those people, but it's reserved for all. God always uses the weak things to display his power. God takes the lowest, the weakest, the least equipped and experienced, the stutterers, the stammerers, the most sinful and broken. And he uses those kinds of people. Do I have any of those kinds of people here today? There's a few of you. Both of my hands are up. You may say, Christian, well, how do you know that? Well, there's a number of verses in the Bible, but there's one in particular that just, it's a slam dunk. Bam! Okay, drop the mic. In the net. There's no getting away from it. Okay, we don't need VAR for any, you know, adjudication. It's just in. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 says this. But God chose. But God chose. He didn't say, but God was given. God actively chose those whom the world considers foolish. What that basically means is the stupid to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny. Any puny people here? I want to tell you we're all puny when we register against some of those real, you know, and Anthony Joshua, I always say to our eyes, I don't do it now, I said, I could take him any day of the week. <laughs> you know, I'm on about the, oh, he's a beast, isn't he? He's a beast. Anyway, God chose the puny and the powerless to shame the high and the mighty. God takes, it goes on, God takes the foolish things the, the, wise, the, the weak things and the despised things. He really does. God takes the weak things to display his power. And why does he do this? He does this so, so no one is in doubt of who has done this. Who has done this? I love the fact that at the moment, Ilkeston's Seeing lots of new people come in. If you're new, we'd love to see you. We're seeing lots of people getting their lives back on track. We're seeing people baptized. 
David said, if you've not been baptized, you need to be baptized. We're seeing people in small groups. We're seeing kids blessed, youth group growing. We're seeing our community services just continue to extend. We're seeing campuses planted. And all this from a place that nobody's ever heard of. All this from a place that nobody's ever heard of. You say to people, Ilkeston, they go, where? Who's ever had that? Well, you say you're from a, where? They go, yeah, you usually have to say, well, Nottingham, Robin Hood. Oh, yeah, Robin Hood. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, and it's music, man. Okay. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, and it's merry man. Robin Hood. Okay. I say this because I love it. God always uses the weak things to display his power. If we're going to boast, we boast in the Lord. I boast in Jesus. If you're thinking, who is this guy? I want to tell you, I might be, might be a lot of bravado here. I boast in the Lord. I know what he's done over my life. I, I, am, I am a wretch saved by grace. Secondly, he doesn't just take the weak things. God moves once we do. If we want to dream big, we've got to understand that who we are and what God uses, you're exactly the raw material that he used. But he'll only move once you move. Who's been reading the Draw the Circle devotional that, that we gave you? Great. You'll know that there was, I think it was, was it day seven or day eight? There's a story there about God in waders. And the story of the farmers from Mississippi, M-I-S-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-I-S-
But we have to make a move. I'm not talking about stupidly, but we make a move. And as we make a move, God makes a move. Two verses that I'll give you. We haven't got time for them. Joshua 3 verse 2. He says to the people there, you have never been this way before. Jonathan, you've never been this way before. Morgan, you've never been this way before. Kev, you've never been this way before. So what are we meant to do? Follow the presence of God. That's all the encouragement to just follow in my presence. As you follow my presence, then I'll show you where to go. And they made a move into that Jordan River. And as they put a step in the Jordan River, the waters stopped and they were able to walk through into their promised land. Can I hear an amen? amen? And if you're fearful about that, God promises in Matthew 28 verse 20, he says, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Lastly, time's gone. God moves once we do. We have to understand it takes the weak things, but don't limit God. Because this God knows no limits. Don't limit God because God knows no limits. The writer of the Ephesians, Paul, the apostle who I've quoted twice already, he uses this phrase, he has incomparable great power. If we are not convinced that God's power and grace knows no limit, we will draw small circles. I am trying by God's grace as a shepherd to lead you into drawing an even bigger circle. In your personal life, what are you needing to draw a larger circle? But you won't draw it if you don't believe the third point. If you don't believe the third point, that you know that God doesn't have any limits, you will continue to li limit God. So, because time's gone, how big is your God? Three things that I want to say that God is able to do. He's able to bring divine appointments. I'm praying this presently. He's able to bring divine appointments. Again, I quote from the devotional that you have in your hands. Don't worry about meeting the right people if you meet with God. You don't have to seek opportunity. All you have to do is seek God. And if you seek God, opportunity will seek you. Divine appointments. Secondly, divine resources. He owns it all. Does anybody know that? He owns it all. He owns every single... You may say, no, 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 no. The richest man, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, they own it all. No, they don't own it all. God gives and God can take it away. They're just stewarding it. They may not even know it, but I want to tell you, God owns it all. It's called the bank of heaven. And we do not need to fear. We need good practice. We need to be good stewards. We need to be faithful stewards. We need to be diligent and not excessive. But as we do that, we can walk in the fact that God has divine resources. And thirdly, you may say, oh, I lack this. And I lack this all the time. We have divine wisdom. The Bible encourages that if we lack wisdom, we should ask God. And he gives to us what? Liberally. The God who knows everything is able to download all his everything into you who knows nothing. And that is how you're able to walk with wisdom. There are some times I make decisions or I'll say something and then I'm in a meeting and I think, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. How did I know that? 
How did I know what I needed to do? When some complex things, I do not know that. And in the, even in those moments where we don't know, you're in a position, God is able to give you what you need. He's able to guide your heart and your lips. Because he owns it all. Divine appointments, divine resource, divine wisdom. I want to encourage us to dream big. Over your present and over your future. All give me your attention now. Over your present and over your future. I want you to dream big. Over every pound and every pence that you need to be met, that we need to be met, let's dream big. Let's believe for every person to return that you loved one that you're longing for. Every husband, wife, grandchild, son, daughter, mom, dad. In Jesus' name. Let's believe for every campus to be filled and overflowing. Let's believe. I want to tell you, I am, a, I am a shepherd for you. I pray over you guys. The A to Z of Arena Church for it to be blessed. I pray over your health and well-being. I pray over you in Jesus' name. I pray for your families. I pray for those who are in businesses. I do. I pray for you. And I'm dreaming bigger circles for every single one of you. I'm believing also that there's going to be expansion over this M1 corridor and beyond. For the glory of God. So I'm done. Literally, I feel done. Let's dream big.